You are listening to Love, Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a physician and editor-in-chief of Maine, Maine Home Design, Old Port, Ageless, and Moxie Magazines. Love, Maine Radio show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com, grownupgirl.com, where you can get personalized guidance and encouragement for growing a simple yet vibrant life through free advice, workshops, and mentoring programs with local experts. You deserve to shine. Go to grownupgirl.com now to learn about our available programs and classes designed just for you in the Portland area. Portland Art Gallery is proud to sponsor Love, Maine Radio. Portland Art Gallery is the city's largest and is located in the heart of the Old Port, 154 Middle Street. The gallery focuses on exhibiting the works of contemporary Maine artists and hosts a series of monthly solo shows in its newly expanded space, including Brenda Sirioni, Daniel Corey, Jill Hoy, and Dave Allen. For complete show details, please visit our website at artcollectormaine.com. Love, Maine Radio is also brought to you by Aristel, a lingerie boutique on Exchange Street in Portland's Old Port, where everybody is seen as a work of art and beauty is celebrated from the inside out. Shop with us in person or online at aristel.com. Sean Alonzo Harris is an editorial, commercial, and fine art photographer concentrating on narrative and environmental portraiture. He has also received critical acclaim for his fine artwork and was recently awarded a Kindling Fund grant from Space Gallery and the Warhol Foundation for his project, Visual Tensions. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you for having me. Let's start with Visual Tensions. Um, Yeah, it's a project that's been stewing around um, for a while. And uh, basically, the the idea, um, just because there's... um, there's so much tension between people of color and uh, law enforcement that, um, you know, and just like uh, most of the um, focus has been on the anger. And I wanted to focus in on like, you know, how that, um, um, what what actually is the start of the anger. So um, basically the, the thought process is that I would, um, photograph police officers and people of color in the same space and looking at each other um, 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 because most of the time the um, we make assumptions on on the visuals before we um, know the person's heart or mind or spirit so um, I wanted to break that down and um, pose that question of what you know like to look beyond what we see and and pause and then and um make a statement that way to like ask that question and hopefully bunches of people can answer it in different ways in their own ways what have you learned so far um it's really hard um to to work with uh people because um it's um, people, especially in institutions, um, and also to convince um, uh, the public that what I'm trying to do is not um, what I'm trying to do is not trying to uh, um, like I gotcha. You, you, you follow me like uh, so so I'm not trying to trip anyone up or like you know I have to I have to to make sure that my intentions are honest and I wanted to, and and I have to make sure that um, I have to convince people that my intentions are honest and also that I'm going to show them with dignity yeah mm-hmm. that's something that you've probably been working with through the entirety of your 
career, I would think, as yes, a photographer. Exactly, exactly. Um, um, basically, I, I, my, my, um, my photography is basically to show dignity and, um, and power and, um, and um, humanity. And th- those things are really important to me. Um, I feel that um, I, I, I mean, like, because because I, I, I still study a lot about photography, the history of photography, and also um, I look at a lot of images. Always, I think it's really important to see what's out there. And and, um, and a lot of the photographs that that I I, I take in, um, some of them aren't like you know, especially with people of color. A lot of them aren't as as dignified it's like you know or they're like it's usually it's either like you know celebrities and athletes um but what about the doctors and the teachers and the and the, and the everyday people and showing them in a presence where they're um in a place of power or in a place of dignity you know and that's kind of one of the things that i like to do um you know just to um change the history a little bit to show another side and a lot of people are doing it but I'd, I think that I can play my part too mm-hmm. when I was on your website I noticed that you had a lovely portrait of Ashley Bryan mm-hmm. and when I think about dignity yeah I think about him we did a story about him last year for Maine magazine and um there's something about him that I think you captured really well, this sort yeah. of simultaneous um, seriousness and joyfulness, right, right. I think, about his personality. Right. Well, like, Ash- Ashley is an amazing, wonderful man. I mean, like, he, like, um, I, I, I shot um, a story for him for another magazine, um, and um, he he is such a playful joyful spirit you know and the way that he comes across he fills the room with his love and um so when you um see him like all the most of the photographs that i see of him have this have this um sense of um um they try to capture just that the moment of well, the, the like you know the the layer the first the topical of him you know they they, they it's like these joyful um, these moments of um, joy, laugh, laughter, and that is him completely. But what he's achieved in life and what he's done is serious work. It's like, I mean, like, to think about what's in his mind is an amazing feat. I think that you need to sit back and pause and look at him as this man, not just like, just, I mean, as this powerful and and intelligent um serious man because he's serious as much as he's as he laughs and plays and and he has this um very um robust um life you know i I just think so i just took a different i just stepped back and looked and took a completely different take on how i saw him you also did a project on the last of the shakers Yes. A few years ago. Right. Yes, yes. And that was a fun project to work on. That was a pro- like like um, um, one of my favorite things to be about photographers is to, to create fine art projects and also editorial work. I just love because when you go off and you um, uh, photograph, um, especially editorial magazines, you're usually going to see to photograph people who have done something 
um, amazing, have come across or, or have come over incredible odds, and they have a story to tell, you know, and it's just, so you sit there and watch. So the Shakers Project, what happened, I went up there to, it was one of those things, I don't know if you know the story, but um, there was four Shakers, and um, there was a story, and I, a magazine or newspaper came up and did a story on them, and one of the Shakers ran off with the writer. I think I'm not exactly sure of the whole inside, but this was this could be gossip or rumor. But they were very, very. It was very, very hard for them to. Um, it was very, very hard for us to get in there to photograph them. They were like, no, and uh, we had to go in there um, and uh, and really talk with them and let them know our intent. They had, and it was like I went in there. They almost in, they had to interview me before I even took their photographs. So I went up there to take photographs and, and literally thinking it would be a half a day and it was a three-day process. Um, I had to go back and back and back and it was amazing. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with their whole thing that they've done. Um, and we photographed it on 8x10 film, which was amazing in itself, which was a great... Um, and um, by photographing with 8x10, it's a slower process and, and, and uh, I think they truly um, respected it, but it warranted that kind of respect, I think, to, to on, on the photographs because um, by taking that time and um, um, just because of their legacy and and also there's at the, at the time there was only three left, I, I thought that it just needed to have that extra, like, okay, we're going to sit down and, you know, spend, you know, 30 minutes setting up my camera, you know, I'm going to talk and, and we're going to sit and we're going to wait for that moment and, and, we, and then so that we can take the appropriate photograph. On the flip side, you also have an interest in street photography, which um, doesn't have the, you don't have quite the same amount of um, time, I would think, to uh, build that same level of trust. No, no. And, and street photography is like one of those things. It's like... Um, I always look at photography as like an athletic sport and you have to, I think that you have to um, exercise to, um, to, continu to continuously, um, um, you know, make, make um, strides and leaps. So street photography is one of those things, it's like a, an additional exercise that I give myself to do. Um, and it's a way to be free, and because um, most of the things that that I the, the way that I shoot or what I do are are, are they're more of a controlled environment. Um, environmental portraiture itself is like you know I'm going into your environment and we're going to look through and see what pull we're going to try to pull elements out. In street photography, it, it is what it is. So you go out and you just have to react to what you see, you know. And sometimes it could be like, oh, I smell something, and you just kind of follow the smell and let those things happen um, you know what I mean or noise or or just like just the the rhythm of the street which is a beautiful thing you know so I enjoy doing it and most of the time when I do street photography it's like a lot of times it's like travel you know um, or it's just like I or I end up going to <clears throat> some place or an event or in and those kind of things so it's like the idea is sometimes I take no photographs. Sometimes I'm just like, you know, I just fall in love with the movement and, and everything happens. So it's just a lot of fun. It's an exercise to keep me sharp and uh, keep me moving. Tell me how you 
decided um, that photography was your path. It, it, I know that you have a background. I mean, you, you have an art degree. Yes. So this was an early focus of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could have done so many different things. Right, right. Why this? Why this particular art form? Um, it, 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 well, I could start from the beginning, beginning. Um, well, um, I asked for a tape recorder when I was, um, I believe, about seven and uh, for Christmas for my grandmother. And, you know, my grandmother was so special, she tried to get me anything I wanted. So, um, so there was this, like, you know, like where you put cassette tapes and you just tape record stuff and, you know, you make sounds and, um, and you record sounds. And uh, she... Um, got me a camera and I'm like you know I'm like what's this and he's like this isn't a tape recorder and she's like son you can record with that too so um at the time um um I um my my parents um we lived in in Cambridge Mass and my grandma lived in DC so when I had this camera I would take photographs of the family cousins cousin aunts and uncles and 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 friends down there and then I'd come back with all the film and we'd process them and I would look at them and they would be kind of like the same thing as baseball cards and it just happened year after year after year after year and it built up where um, by the time I was um, so I outgrew my uh, Keystone camera which is like this little camera with 110 film and um, and then um, I got a Pentax K1000 camera, which was amazing. And and then by the time I was 13, I was so taking photographs in such a regular basis. The next step was to to build a darkroom. So um, uh, I found so I was talking with a guy, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I've got a darkroom." So he gave me all this equipment, and I built a darkroom in my bedroom at 13. And um, and that lasted all of maybe four days because my mother probably saved my life on that one. You really can't sleep with that kind of chemicals in your room. But yeah, so, and then after that, it was, um, someone asked me what I was going to be when I grew up, and it was like a no-brainer. I was just like a photographer, and it didn't even, um, it, it, it didn't even, like, it, wasn't, it wasn't even like a hesitation. It just came out of my mouth. Like, like I never even thought about it, but, you know, that was what. And then when I was a senior, no, I was a sophomore in high school, and, um, I won a national um, award from photography, and it was um, it was the James Vanderzee um, Black Heritage Award. I won that, and then and then three. I won first place in honorable mention. The next year, I won honorable mention, and then when I was a senior, I won first place again. And so um, it was just an, it was just like it, those things just kind of happened, and just you know. And here I am. <laughs> I just never put it down. I also remember reading um, about an interest that you had in baseball and a project that you did several years ago that had to do with baseball. Yes. That you got very, very involved in this project. And um, some of the photos you you took were very striking. Yes, yes. Um, I did a project of vintage baseball. Well, I, I mean, I love baseball. That was another passion that I had, but... I just wasn't quite that good to get to the next level, and um, but this project that I that I had that I did was a vintage baseball um, project, which was the Dirigo uh, vintage baseball team, and and um, they play with rules from the 1860s, and 
um, it was just so, and and they play really hard. Like a lot of these guys were played in college and 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 stuff like that. And when I first thought of the the shooting these these guys, I thought it was more like a reenactment kind of um, thing. And but when I when I went to photograph them, um, they actually played really hard, and it was awesome. So um, me understanding the game and watching the game, and 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 it was just like this really nice. Um, I have a really, I had a really nice understanding of what was happening, what was going on. So I was like, I, I felt really comfortable to photograph it. And the whole idea of the project was to photograph it in a way where it, it holds the um, vintage integrity. So we did shoot some um, large format eight by ten stuff and digital, and then I did some, and then I did some, uh, I did treatments to the digital, so that they could have that same vintage feel without making it look like like I shot digital and trying to make it vintage. I had to, so I worked really hard to make it have that um, um, vintage feel without um, without taking away from. The, the actual project, you know, like making it, because sometimes what happens is you make it look vintage and that's what you see, you know, versus the image, you know, it's like, oh, it has, a, you know, that's the first thing you go to. But I tried to balance the two so that it, so that it was seamless. Mm -hmm. Well, why is the history of photography so important to you? Um, the, the history, I mean, the, the history of photography is, I, I mean, for me, it's, um, I don't think, because of the, the style and what I do and uh, the respect that I have for, for my craft, I believe that it's, it's paramount for you to understand the history of what, what's been, what's gone before you. And there's so many great stories when you, when you, when you dig down deep into the history of photography, you know, one, I mean, you know, if you did, I mean, like someone's life, uh, someone who's, who, who triumphed, um, some people who've done great photography, but didn't have any success when, until they, until they passed and, and, um, some of the techniques and, and that, that are, that have gone before. And, um, I just think it's really important. Like, right, like um, I just bought two brand new books that, that were amazing that I had no idea that existed. Was one was um, Richard Avedon and James uh, James Baldwin did a book just recently. I mean, not recently in the '60s. With um, it was called Nothing Personal, and I mean, just the history and the understanding and the and that relationship was a beautiful thing. Like I would have never under, I would have never known that Richard Avedon and James Baldwin went to the same high school. That's an amazing thing. And then and then I just bought another one, just like it just came in the mail um, three days ago, where it was um, it was um, Gordon Parks and and um, and Ralph Ellis. And they did a beautiful book, Invisible Man, and I didn't realize this was a new publication that came out from um, uh, Chicago Institute of Art, and uh, not newer, I should say, probably like I think it came out 2014. But yeah, and to understand those relationships of, of the writer, the writer's role, and the visual artist's role, and it's just, um, and and by me digging down and figuring out history those books would have never never crossed my path but because i'm looking 
and constantly trying to study and figure things out these do come up and it just gives it another um breath and life of two like i i have many books of richard avedon and many books of of um gordon parks and i have um and and i have a few books of james baldwin and a few books and and those things put together two loves that come together i think um you know by studying those things become so much more and, and they become treasures as you're talking, I'm thinking about um, the work I do as a writer and working with the photographers that I have worked with um, yeah. for the magazines mm -hmm. and how even that dynamic um, right. can really shape a story. Right. Mm -hmm. Because uh, you, I've worked with people like um, Matt Cosby or Greta Ribas or Aaron Little and each of the Nicole Wolf, each of them mm -hmm. as photographers has their own take on things, right. has their own visual sense. Yeah. Um, and it's really fascinating to see how they interact with people as I'm creating a, a word based story. They're right. creating kind of a simultaneous visual story. Right. How mm -hmm. tell me about some of your experience in working with writers. Um um, they've been good and bad. <laughs> um, most of the, well, most of the stories that that I've gone out with, gone gone out um, to, like the the writing, like a lot of times is almost done. The the one, a couple of times that I've worked on stories that they, the writer was on was was there. Um, um, I believe that um, like you had that that you 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 know the photographers that you that you are working with and I think that's a, that's really important it's really I think it's harder to figure out your it's harder to figure out your um, place sometimes with the writer if the, the story isn't written as the photographer is shooting because you really don't um, you you know you want to you want to respect both both sides of the story so um, it, it, it I think it takes a little bit of finesse and then you kind of just um, um, like because for me um, like for instance if like I, I worked on a story and it was about a particular subject matter that I knew a lot about I mean historic you know historically and the writer really came in like in a very a very narrow um, narrow point of view and um, so without me saying well you know you know back in you know back in the 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 30s this was going on and this was like this was a norm back in the 30s and then and, and so um so i really had to dance around without putting my bent on their story and just kind of go along with it and just listen and and try to do try to um just do what i knew how to do and <laughs> take photographs you know and um yeah, I, and I love hearing this from you because I I have also, I remember a story that I did with Matt Cosby um, about the special surfers program down in Kennebunk, mm -hmm. and um, he was actually, he actually helped shape the story in some right. ways because he was really great about getting in the water with right. these um, younger people right. um, on their surfboards, and he was able to say, you really should talk to this person. You should really talk to this person. <laughs> right. So I think that he actually made the story better for me. Right. And I could see how that would be 
and it could go either way. Right, exactly. I mean, it, you can absolutely have a situation where the, right. the writer and the photographer are at odds. Right, right. But I think learning to figure out that interaction right. can be really valuable. Well, it, it is. And I think that, I, I think as, you know, as professionals, I think that that's kind of our duty. You know what I mean? Like, we, we need to figure out, um, first we need to figure out boundaries. And then we need to figure out where where we can, um, I don't want to use the word negotiate, but where we can figure out to collaborate and and, um, and uh, try to make the story as, 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 as good as it can be, you know. Um, sometimes when, when I'm doing um, uh, stories, like traveling, doing stories with, with magazines and stuff like that, the writer will go alongside, which it's a different kind of thing because they already have this, they already have these bullet points of things that need to be, you know, this is kind of where we're going with it, and they have a, a, a lot more background on the person, and so that we can, do, so we discuss it either on the plane or, or we discuss in the hotel room before we even go out and figure out, you know, we kind of set up a schedule of writing and of, of photographs so we don't overlap and those kind of things. So um, it is a little different um, in some in some ways, you know. That that you know, so yeah. So I've I've worked side by side by I guess some writers, um, and then other times it's just um, okay. This is the story. Go shoot, and um, and I I'll see what comes back. You know, I'll see I'll see the story. You know, most of the time I'll know who the writer is, so that's good too. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the biennial. You've been honored recently by the Portland Museum of Art by. Um being part of that process oh well yeah that was pretty cool <laughs> um <clears throat> well um i got an email from mark Brasier and he's like hey i want to do a studio visit and i'm like sure and you know the next question was i was just like are you looking for anything special or, or you know and he's and he was like no i just want to see some stuff and and he came by and he pulled out some stuff and he's like i really like that he took some photographs with his phone and he left you know i was like hey see you later bye and uh get an email like um probably three weeks later and says hey i want to come back and would you mind <clears throat> if nat may would come by and he's the curator for the by you know and at that point i knew what it was and so the the whole casual kind of thing that I had with Mark was like, oh, okay, now I need to pull out some other stuff. And he picked out some photographs that I really liked, <clears throat> which I, I believe would have been worthy of um, to be in the biannual. But um, I was working on this uh, new body of work, which I hadn't shown anyone yet, which I which I was like, you know, and I was waiting to, you know, I just it wasn't. I could show some of it. I knew the work was strong. But I wasn't ready to, to present it at that time, and then I was like, "Oh, I got to show this this new this new work that I was doing, which is the Kennedy Park Park project, which is in in Portland, Maine, Kennedy Park, and it's I guess it's one of the most diverse neighborhoods in Maine. Um, I could be wrong, but it, it, it's pretty diverse, and so um, we pulled this work out, and they were like, "Whoa!" and uh, um, and it was basically the the images they picked were four photographs of uh, um, um, basketball players and um, their uh, black their black basketball players and their skin and because of the light um, it was so amazing um, um, almost um, became metallic 
and uh, it was just such they're just so beautiful I mean they're like I'm really proud of these images so um, they're just really beautiful moments ca moments captured and back to the street photography this is kind of what what happened with that was I would consider more a, a, a street photography or as an artist you do have a visual language and I think that when you can hone in and understand your visual language um, it makes it a lot easier for you to move through your craft or figure out exactly where you need to be or what images that you need to capture at the particular time and with these images what I believe happened is that they um, expanded my voice just so so they were so they were um, I was really excited about it this has been a fascinating conversation. I really yeah. enjoyed having the chance to talk with you. You and I have interacted many times over the years. And yes, yes. to be able to sit down and have um, a little bit more of an in-depth back and forth is pretty wonderful. Awesome. I appreciate yes. it. This is a wonderful experience. Yes. I've been speaking with Sean Alonzo Harris, who is an editorial, commercial, and fine art photographer concentrating on narrative and environmental portraiture. I'm sure we're going to continue to see great things from you, and we appreciate your coming in today. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Dr. Zach Mazzoni, DO, created Dayspring Integrative Wellness in Bath, Maine, with the belief that true health comes from building healthy relationships with your community, with your doctor, and with yourself. As a board-certified family and integrative medicine physician, Dr. Mazzoni and the whole staff at Dayspring are committed to supporting your wellness journey by providing integrative family medical care, osteopathic manipulation, herbal and lifestyle consultations, counseling, and wave therapy. Dayspring offers an innovative membership-based model of healthcare that gives you time together with Dr. Mazzoni to build a personalized wellness plan based on your health goals. Daily access for acute appointments is available, and you can even schedule a secure video conference call in the privacy of your own home. I know Dr. Zach and his family, and I believe strongly in the personalized, whole-person approach to health that he provides. This is why I am encouraging you to find out more for yourself by visiting dayspringintegrativewellness.com or by calling them directly at 207-751-4775. Dayspring. Wellness. The way it should be. Love Maine Radio is brought to you by Maine Magazine, Aristel, Portland Art Gallery, Art Collector Maine, GrownUpGirl.com, and by Dayspring Integrated Wellness. Our editorial producer is Kate Gardner. Our assistant producer is Shelby Wasik. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy. And our executive producers are Andrew King and Dr. Lisa Belli. For more information on our production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us at lovemainradio.com.